You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! Anyway, with the friends, the 
features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will talk nothing but sports, for the allotted time that we are on the show. Uh, not sure if it'll be a full three hours tonight. My voice is kind of a little uh, a little scratchy, so we will go for as long as as long as my voice will hold up. I'll put it that way. Uh, I am your host, Steve. Uh, we have Lou uh, with me as always. Uh, welcome back, Lou. Thanks. I'll help carry you through. Uh, now. Yeah, now obviously we uh, we were off last week because well I ended up going to uh, the Rev- the Revolution game to see them drop a one nil loss to the uh, New York Red Bulls thanks to a Sorry. very last second thanks to a very last second own goal given up Oops. by the Revolution. Uh, yeah, it went off of one of our defenders' legs and it went in. So, oh wow! It, what a uh, way to lose! Yeah, exactly. 
especially when our goaltender uh, Brad Knighton was uh, was standing on his head for pretty much most of the uh, most of the most of the match. So yes. uh, it was it was a bad way to lose, but you know I had a pretty good time. Uh, I mean, let's just face it; I was way too wasted. That there's no way uh, we. I mean, we did technically get done. Uh, like I could have started the podcast like an hour late, but I was way right. too wasted. So uh, I probably would have been talking all over the place to begin with. So right. anyways, we are back though this week. Uh, we have a lot to cover. March Madness, of course, is over. And we have mm-hmm. uh, a new champion with uh, the Texas J or not Texas, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks uh, officially Taking the crown. Oh yeah, what a what a game indeed! And it, uh, as far as well as not just uh, March Madness, but Whispers March Madness, there was a winner. Uh, it was between Chris Early, who joined us last time, and uh, Ben Stevenson of Sports Whispers. And Ben ended up coming out on top with his official pick of Kansas. So congratulations. Uh, yep. And it, uh, obviously, because of we we talked last uh, last time, of course, about the the weird the weird thing that they have uh, in regards to points and everything. Uh, let's just say I yeah. came in second. I came in second because of points, which makes absolutely no sense considering the right. fact that uh, Chris was right in it until the very end. And he ended up finishing 14th, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, but, yeah, we do we do have March Madness uh, that we're going to talk about. We're going to preview the NBA playoffs as well. Uh, we will also talk about the uh, – well, this is actually opening weekend uh, in Major League Baseball – uh, we will discuss that. Uh, we have a whole bunch of NFL news to get into from the past two weeks, and we also have uh, the Washington Commanders to talk about because apparently they can't stay out of the drama, it appears. Uh, but unfortunately, we have to open up uh, tonight's show with some saddening news uh, in the yes. NFL Former, well, we can now call him former uh, NFL quarterback Dwayne Haskins passed away early this morning at the age of 24 after he was struck by a dump truck down in South Florida. Uh, originally, they said it, he was hit by a car. It turns out he was actually hit by a dump truck. Uh, now, the as far as far as what exactly happened, uh, the you know the uh, uh, circumstances is it's still kind of cloudy, but it sounds like his car ran out of gas, and he was jogging up the uh, he was jogging up the highway, and he attempted to cross the westbound lanes of Interstate 595 down in Florida, according to uh, – this is according to the Florida Highway Patrol, uh, when there was oncoming traffic, and unfortunately he ended up colliding with an oncoming dump truck. 
uh, he was pronounced dead on the scene. Uh, so basically he was dead on impact essentially. Um, and the police say they are currently in the process of conducting a traffic homicide investigation, uh, right now, but just 24 years old, you know, Dwayne Haskins, uh, was considered to be one of the bright young quarterbacks that a lot of people thought would, would event would, would be the guy to, you know, to turn, to turn around the Washington football team when he was originally drafted in the first round by them. And I don't know exactly what happened. He never really got a full shot. Uh, He played like two partial seasons before spending this past season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And basically he was never really given a full chance to to show a team what he, what he could do uh, through a full season. And he was actually in line, I believe, to be the backup in Pittsburgh this year once again Yes. Uh, before this unfortunate tragedy took place. And from what it sounds like, Chase Claypool was literally just with him moments before, uh, moments before uh, he was struck by – by the uh, by, the dump truck, from what it sounds, according to uh, Claypool's Twitter account, and I mean it's it, it is such a, such a shame to see any life go, uh, you know, so young like this. But yes, uh, you know it, it it seems like he had a lot more left to give. To the, to the game of football and unfortunately uh, you know unfortunately uh, Dwayne Haskins has his life has been cut short uh, at the age of 24 um, what, are, what are your thoughts Lou on, uh, on this whole situation for the former Ohio State quarterback just it's just a, just a tragedy to have uh, this morning. And the way it happened, you know, even more senseless, you know, bright young, a bright young star's, you know, future cut short, you know, over this. And, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, so I I can share the, you know, the sadness everybody's uh, feeling right, uh, right now. Just, you know, just it's a terrible way to happen. I mean, one day he's, you know, on the verge of becoming, you know, a star, a backup star in the, in the league, and all of a sudden he's just gone. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, 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 it it's you know a shock to begin with, and you know he he had been struggling to uh, he had been struggling to to keep on with uh, with uh, with an NFL team, and mm. I mean that has and uh, you know Adam Schefter of ESPN mm. he caught a lot of shit earlier today. Uh, with those comments that he made, uh, saying that while while he was a standout in college, he struggled to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL. Now, granted, this was in hindsight. You know, Adam probably didn't mean anything by this whatsoever. You know, he didn't mean any malicious intent. I'm sure, but uh, it caught a lot of it. Ca- he caught a lot of heat 
from uh, from many people uh, in the football world because of that tweet. Uh, in fact, yeah. uh, Ohio State's receivers coach Brian Hartline uh, called Schefter a clown, saying a son a, t- a son teammate and significant other was lost, and that's what you have to say. A clown, really? He called Adam Schefter a clown. Uh, for oh well, the comments, what? You know. for the comments that he made. Uh, right. Also, former former Ohio State quarterback uh, Cardale Jones said he was praying for Haskins' family, and he suggested a revision for Schefter's tweet that read, "How about Dwayne Haskins' son, husband, Buckeye brother, friend, beloved teammate has passed away." Uh, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens also commented on it saying that Schefter's post was lame and wondered how the reporter could look in the mirror and smile at yourself. Uh, mm. While, while also former Dallas Cowboys receiver Des Bryant offered that it reflected an all too common mindset to basically, you know, focus on the negatives as opposed to focusing on the positives of right. Although although it's hard to focus on a positive when it comes to a tragedy, you know what I mean. Uh, exactly. And also, uh, Brian Bryant in particular said, "Athletes, for the record, the shit that are." Uh, wait a minute. Let me see. Let me make sure I'm reading this right. Athletes, for the record, because uh, MSN has, of course, uh, has of course censored some of this. The shit that Schefter wrote, that's how a lot of people view us. We ain't shit but entertainment. That's how Bryant uh, sees the comments. And even an ESPN alum, uh, Josina Anderson, uh, tweeted on this, and she took aim at the comments made by Schefter saying that Dwayne Haskins' family deserves an apology. They don't need to hear about his professional struggles on the same morning of his untimely death. And Schefter eventually did delete his tweet, and he substituted it with this. Dwayne Haskins, a standout at Ohio State, before becoming Washington's first-round pick and playing in, and, and, and playing in Pittsburgh, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida per his agent, Cedric Saunders. Haskins would have turned 25 years old on May 3rd. Uh, Now, however, however, though, that pales in comparison to what Gil Brandt said on this. Gil Gil Brandt, at the age of 90, uh, for those who don't know, he's a former Super Bowl-winning executive for the Cowboys, and he's also a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And on a satellite radio broadcast, he made several poorly received remarks about Haskins, uh, some of them in particular here. Uh, and I quote, he was a guy that was living to be dead. It was always something regarding Haskins. And maybe maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things like jogging on a highway. That right there is even worse than what Schefter posted. Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, that right there, I don't care if the dude is 90 years old. I don't care what age he is. No. Uh, there's no reason to make those sort of comments. And as a matter of fact, uh, a former Buck, uh, a former Buckeye, now Bronco, uh, Draymond, Dr- Draymond Jones, found Brandt's comments to be tainted by racism by saying, so he deserved this to happen because he, because he left school early. This makes me cry because people have this mindset of him. Uh, Cam Hayward, who was a teammate of Haskins with the Steelers, tweeted at Brandt saying, I do not know or will assume to, but please don't speak on my friend. He will be missed and your words are disgraceful. We are all hurting right now. Uh, and the man who caught many of Haskins' passes as a Buckeye, Paris Campbell, uh, wrote after originally sharing an, uh, an expletive, saying there's no way you say something like this in the moment. All the people grieving right now, and this is what you say. But yet, after all of this backlash, Brent then uh, eventually apologized about close to five hours ago on his Twitter account, saying, this morning while learning of Dwayne Haskins' passing, I reacted carelessly and insensitively on a radio interview. I want to apologize to Mr. Mm -hmm. Haskins' family and anyone who heard my poor choice of words. I truly apologize. My heart goes out to his family at this difficult time. I mean, there shouldn't even be it shouldn't have even been said. No. You know, that's that's like if when we talked about Scott Hall a couple of weeks ago when he passed. Yes. If all I did was if all I did was focus on how oh he he was known for doing drugs, he was known for this and that, being an alcoholic, yada yada yada. Uh, if if that was all I did, instead of talking about his accomplishments and what he did for the wrestling industry, you know, that would be in the same amount of poor taste, you know. But Gil Brandt, I'm sorry, at 90 years old, you shouldn't even be making those comments regardless. No, not at all. I mean, what... what Let's start with Adam Schefter, Lou. Do you think there was a bit of overreaction a little bit by people of the comments that Schefter made? I think a little bit would be an understatement here, you know, making such blatant, such uh, blatant comments like that. So, yeah, I would think that would be a little bit uh, of an understatement. I mean, why would he – I mean, we're, we're talking – he just lost his life here, and you're making comments like that. And you call yourself professional. Uh I mean, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, though, the Brant comments are even worse. Um, well, of course, Brant's much worse. But you know, Schefter is, of course, a moron. So it's you know, that's his, that's his human, that's his given nature. Yeah, but and, the other comments I mean, were, were much worse. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, uh, Schefter. That's just, that's just another another string of uh, of losses. For Schefter once again, as he's been on a, he's been on a downslide for the past couple of weeks here, uh, 
only a couple of weeks of stories that he's with some of these stories that he's reported on. But uh, some other statements that have uh, that have come out, and you know that another thing too is he was training with his teammates, uh, including Najee Harris, uh, yes. Chase Claypool, and Mitch Trubisky this week. Uh, Trubisky, who by the way uh, is expected to be the starting quarterback this year for Pittsburgh, uh, and several players ended up posting a video of the workout session. Can you imagine how uh, they're going to have to go through some sort of counseling or something? The fact that they literally just saw this guy like maybe a day ago. You know, they were just uh, in Claypool's case. He was hanging. He was he was hanging with Haskins minutes before the uh, before the accident. I mean, you got you got to think you got to think, Lou. That there's, I I hate to call it a distraction, but you got to think that there's that there's going to be there's going to be players this season uh, who were either very close friends of his or teammates of his that are going to be not playing with a full mindset this year. Yeah, obviously. I mean, it's it, it's it's real. It's such a tragedy uh, that you know the, this this was one of the guy. I remember when the draft came out uh, when he was drafted that he was listed as one of the quarterbacks that had the most chance of making an impact in the NFL. Sort of like Robert Griffin the third when he was originally uh when he was originally RG3. drafted. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that literally that was the first thing that I woke up to this morning was seeing uh yeah. that Dwayne Haskins had all of a sudden passed away cuz usually every morning I wake up, I look on Twitter, see if I missed anything uh overnight and then boom that's the very first thing that pops up on my feed. It's, yeah. I mean, talk about talk about a blow to start your morning. Yes, but uh, several other statements uh, were made, uh, notably by uh, head coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin. Uh, he said, "I am devastated and at a loss for words with the unfortunate passing of Dwayne Haskins." He quickly became part of our Steelers family upon his arrival in Pittsburgh and was one of our hardest workers both on the field and in our community. Dwayne was a great teammate, but even more so a tremendous friend to so many. I am truly heartbroken. Our thoughts and prayers are with his wife, Calabria, and his entire family during this difficult time. Now, the NFL, as well, they also released a statement uh, that read, the NFL family mourns the tragic loss of Dwayne Haskins, and we extend our deepest condolences to his family and loved ones. 
Uh, and even Joe Burrow commented on it, saying, tough to find the words, you will be missed. Um, and I, obviously that's just some of the condo- some of the uh, condolences that, that have been sent out uh, across the league. Yes. And as far, you know, as far as uh, Dwayne Haskins goes, uh, he finishes – his he finishes his career with uh, 12 career touchdowns, 14 career picks, uh, 2,804 passing yards. He completed 60.1% of his passes. Uh, he also had 147 rushing yards for with one rushing touchdown uh, during the time he split between the Washington football team and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dwayne Haskins, May 3rd, 1997, April 9th, 2022. Now, the Washington football team, they decided, you know what, we're going to stay in the spotlight here. As something came out, uh, well, actually, no, they call themselves the Commanders now. Uh, yeah. Not the Washington football team. Uh, so the Washington Commanders they denied allegations earlier the, uh, this week that the team cheated NFL teams out of ticket revenue. In a forceful statement, the, orga- the organization forcefully denied a former employee's allegations that the team skimped on ticket revenue that's meant for a league-wide pool shared by all 32 NFL teams. The team accused the former employee, who was Jason Friedman, uh, their former vice president of sales and customer service, of perjury. Lisa Banks, who was Friedman's attorney, said the organization's attack against Friedman amounted to, def- amounted to defamation. Uh, she said Friedman spoke to the Congressional Oversight Committee at the request of lawmakers investigating sexual harassment within the organization. Republicans on the Oversight Committee last week attacked Friedman as a disgruntled former employee whose allegations are one-sided, unconfirmed, and unsupported. Uh, Peter King of NBC Sports said Monday that if the allegations are true, it could finally give the league a reason to pry Snyder out of the organization and restore the commanders as a legitimate franchise. Now, this is a guy who was a former vice president of sales and customer service, which would mean that he knows what is being done with the money regarding tickets and, uh, and, and uh, of the like. So I wouldn't say, I don't know about you, Lou, but I wouldn't think he would be lying with these allegations. Uh, no, I wouldn't. You know, it's one of the that's one of the uh, chief experts. I don't, I don't think he'd be lying about that. I mean, this is a guy whose job was to handle the uh, was to handle the ticket sales right. and merchandise so I don't think sales. And lying with that. And I mean, he even he even spoke to the congressional oversight committee. So technically, he would be lying. Under, uh, I don't know if he was under oath. I would assume he probably was. 
but it sounds like it. You know, he would be lying under oath, which would be a fe- which would be a felony. Perjury. Yeah. So I don't see. I you know I don't I don't see why he would why he would take that risk and potentially be charged with perjury by telling a lie. So I'm, you know, with, with all of the negative stuff that has come out about the Washington football team or the Washington commanders and the fact that the NFL has basically hidden anything that has been negative about the commanders franchise. And, I mean, you notice how still the only thing to come out of the emails was the damning, uh, the, the damning stuff against John Gruden. Yeah. So, me, Lou. I don't. I don't know about you, but I, I'm. I'm beginning to think that. You know, it's legitimate. With what, uh, with mm-hmm. what has been reported here. I mean, what are your thoughts? So you think he is lying? No, I don't think he's lying. I think I think okay. he's telling the truth. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, because you know, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be pretty hard to uh, prove that, you know, because he, you know, he does know, because uh, he is, uh, is, you know, have a high position. I don't, th- I don't think he would be lying about that. Or anything. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he would be lying about something like that, considering he, that was his main position to begin with. Now this next story, Lou, uh, you're probably going to be yeah. flabbergasted by, but uh, according to according to a uh, a station out of Philadelphia, uh, one of their reporters, Howard Eskin, has reported that the Jets were willing to offer the number ten overall pick in the draft to the Seattle Seahawks in exchange uh-huh. for their young wide receiver DK Metcalf. However, Seattle, and I quote, shut it right down. I see. So they don't want the number 10 overall pick in the draft this year for DK Metcalf, who they're, who, you know, he's basically, his good years are probably going to be wasted away in Seattle now, uh, now that he has Drew Locke basically as his quarterback. It says here, I've been told by multiple people when somebody calls Seattle about DK Metcalf, they say, we're not trading him, we're not trading him. They don't even take the offer. They just say, nope, and they just shut it right down. You can't even make an offer right now. And according to NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, uh, his read on the situation is that it would take an enormous package to pry Metcalf out of Seattle. Uh, the number 10 overall pick originally belonged to the Seahawks, but it was traded as part of the Jamal Adams trade that brought Jamal Adams to Seattle. Uh 
Now, obviously, Jets general manager Joe Douglas is trying anything he can to land a number one wide receiver, considering they lost out on uh, Devontae Parker, who we'll get to in a minute here. Um, I mean, are they, are they, you know, anticipating that maybe the Jets will offer them the number four pick? I mean, I don't know if I would maybe. I'm not exactly sure if I would if I would take that chance. I wouldn't either. And put in the number four pick. I would. Uh, I wouldn't do it. The number ten pick could, I mean, have, been, could have been our you know our best move, but no, now that's all messed up. Yeah, they just can't catch a break. Well, you know they offered. It's not on the Jets. The Jets offered the number ten overall pick. Yeah. And. And Seattle apparently wants nothing to do with it. So I don't know if Seattle is holding out for the Jets to offer the number four pick instead. Maybe. Or maybe they'll offer both both the number four and number ten. But I got that. I mean, I don't know. I think they're going to hold out. You know, DK Metcalf would be a pretty huge wet for Zach Wilson. I mean, you already have Corey Davis. Uh, you already have Corey Davis from Tennessee, and now you would add DK Metcalf, who would easily be your number one wide receiver, with Corey Davis being number two. I mean, that right there, pretty much the only thing you'd be missing is a good tight end. Well, and and you know a uh, an improved offensive line, but you know if they won't even take the number ten pick, it kind of makes you wonder, Lou, what the hell is it going to take to pry DK Metcalf from Seattle? I wish I knew. I mean, just taking a look at DK Metcalf's uh, stats throughout his his short career so far in the NFL. Uh, He has 29 receiving touchdowns, 3,100, yeah, 3,170 yards on 216 catches uh, since 2019 when he debuted in the NFL. Um, I mean, those numbers are good, but, and also, yeah. I should say, I should say as well. You know, he did have he did set uh, or career highs this year in touchdown catches, as well as uh, the longest catch that he's uh, gone for, which is 84 yards in his career. Um, but at the same time, you you take a look at the package that uh, the Chiefs got for Tyreek Hill which, honestly, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I probably would have expected a lot more for Tyreek Hill. So, mm. And Tyreek Hill has the accomplishments that DK Metcalf hasn't gotten yet. So, you know, Lou, it, it kind of makes you wonder, is Seattle potentially just expecting way too much? Or oh, I think so. Are they just, or are they just flat out not dealing him, period? No, I think they're just asking for too much. You know, 
And so you do think, you only give one you thing do take. think he is so you do think he is on the market? I do. I think they're asking too much. I mean, I don't know what else they could be asking for. Like unless unless maybe the number ten overall pick just wasn't enough and they need something else with the number ten overall pick. But the fact that they shut it down right then and there, it kind of makes me think that they have no plans on moving on from him. And also the fact as well that uh, they haven't even moved on from Tyler Lockett yet, which kind of makes me think that maybe perhaps, you know, Seattle, you know, there's all these rumors surrounding would they deal DK Metcalf? Would they deal Tyler Lockett? It kind of makes me think now, maybe perhaps they really do just want to see what they can do uh, with uh, Drew Locke as their quarterback this year with the current offensive weapons that he has. Because I'm sorry, you know, unless, Unless you want to add on to the number ten overall pick, which I mean, I can, I get that. You know, you want to get as mm-hmm. much as you can for a guy who's turning into a stud. Uh, you know, the number ten overall pick would be a starting point. But from what it sounds like, it sounds like the number ten overall pick isn't even a starting point. That mm-hmm. Seattle has just flat out said, "Nope, not happening. This is we're shutting this down right now." So that leads me to think that they're not even interested in even dealing him, period. Yeah, I went to that too. They're not interested. So I'm sure that this probably won't be the last we'll hear about Seattle and uh, trade rumors this this offseason. Far from it. um, Now, as far as who the Jets lost out on, uh, they did lose out on Devontae Parker, who was dealt to the New England Patriots last uh, last Saturday, uh, along with a fifth-round pick this year in exchange for a third-round pick in 2023. Now, the Patriots, they had been active on the trade market. They had checked in with the Panthers about Robbie Anderson. Uh, I know the Eagles apparently were also in on Parker before the Patriots came in with a third-round pick. Uh now Parker goes from a goes from goes from uh, a scheme that was basically similar to New England's uh, offensive scheme that they run, and now he's going straight to the scheme that they were emulating in Miami. And now in New England, he goes from being a number three option in Miami to now being probably the number one option in New England. However, though, the Patriots are one of the league's most run-heavy teams, and Mac Jones did finish in the bottom half of the league in deep accuracy, uh, completing just 37% of his passes over 20 yards, although to be fair, a lot of that could have to do with the fact that uh, a lot of his receivers, either there was miscommunication or his receivers 
I remember there was something uh, in regards to deep throws that the receivers were just completely confused last year. And yeah. Parker, Parker, Parker now goes to New England with two years remaining, uh, along with $17 million on his contract. Uh, it turns out it may be only a one-year rental with only 2.7 mil of his uh, salary guaranteed for the uh, 2023 season. But this is a guy, you know, a, a lot of people aren't sure about Devontae Parker. Let's not forget, this is a guy before Jalen Waddle came in to uh, Miami last year. This is a guy who went for nine touchdowns in 2019. So he may have had his role diminished in the Miami offense the last couple of seasons, but when he's on, when he, when he's act, actively being used and is a primary target, he can, he can make those, make those catches, those contested catches that, uh, we've seen New England struggle with, uh, with receivers making contested catches like they have. Uh-huh. I mean, he had nine, he had nine touchdowns in 2019 for over 1,200 yards. Uh, in 2020, he was 2020 and 2021. He was sidelined partially due to injury but he had six touchdowns total between those two, between the last two seasons. And also his role sort of diminished uh, with them bringing in Jalen Waddle like they did. So that does provide Bill Belichick with, in my opinion, at least, and I'm sure that from what I've been reading, a lot of people believe that Devontae Parker has the real opportunity to become the number one wide receiver for the Patriots this year, especially with Nelson Aguilar struggling last year and Kendrick Bourne looking like more of a, uh, looking like more of a number two option as opposed to a number one. Um, Let's see. There was one huge thing that basically kicked off last week uh, with Bruce Arians uh, officially announcing his retirement from coaching in the NFL. And he is taking a senior consultant role in the Bucks front office. And now uh, former Jets coach Todd Bowles, who was the defensive coordinator, uh, he has now been promoted to head coach, and it, it was it, all indications were that Arians was going to return in 2022. Now with Brady coming back, the timing is very odd. But and here's where the timeline goes: Brady had a meeting with uh, the owners of the Bucks, who just happened to own Manchester United as well overseas. Uh, he was, you remember that time, Lou, where he was randomly spotted at a Manchester United game. And then right. he ended up, he ended up announcing shortly after that he was coming back. There's been a lot of speculation 
that Bruce Arians was informed that exact day that he would not be uh, that the, that uh, his services would not be required. So instead of being fired, Arians elected to retire. And, you know, it's, it's led a lot of people to speculate that perhaps one of Brady's conditions to coming back was that Bruce Arians, the team would have to move on from Bruce Arians, who he, uh, who he often uh, had many, uh, many arguments with during his time in Tampa. And, of course, there was also talk that uh, Brady was getting lured to Miami. Uh, he was going to be a, uh, a minor, a minor uh, owner of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. He was going to purchase a, sh- uh, a small minority stake in the Dolphins organization. That, of course, didn't happen. Uh, but apparently a lot of people believe that this was one of the conditions to Brady return, agreeing to return uh, to Tampa Bay was that Bruce Arians would be shown the door. And now Arians said, uh, to sort of cover himself, with the organization in probably the best shape it's been in its history, with Brady coming back, I'd rather see Todd in position to be successful and not have to take some crappy job. I'm probably retiring next year anyway in February. <laughs> I have our, so I control the narrative right now. I don't control it next February because if Brady gets hurt, uh, we go 10 and 7, and it's an open interview for the job. I got 31 coaches and their families that depend uh-huh. on me. My wife, my wife is big on not letting all those families down. So right now it looks like Arians is looking classy for this move, uh, you know, yes. putting, putting Todd Bowles in the right position, but – to me, it kind of it kind of smells like a cover up. In all honesty, Lou, I really think that Brady bounced Arians basically from Tampa because of the fact that Arians was, uh, as some people call him, uh, a doofus basically, while Brady strives for. Prof- while Brady strives for, for perfection when it comes to uh-huh. uh, when it comes to football, Arians, meanwhile, is is you know just basically a dumbass. And we I saw, we, myself. saw uh, we saw in a couple of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losses last year where Arians basically took over the play calling instead of letting Brady do his work. Instead of letting Brady uh, work his magic, Arians basically said, no, this is what we're going to do. And that ultimately led to them losing certain games that they should have won. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think about this situation, Lou? Was, do you think the retirement was legitimate? Or do you think that no. this was a case of of of, uh, of Arians basically being forced out of the uh, organization? 
being forced out of it. It was a he didn't agree with it. Was, it was forced out. I don't think it was legit at all. That's kind, of, that's kind of what I think, too. I really think he got forced out of the organization, uh, mainly because they didn't want to move on from Brady, they, especially if Brady was going to come out of retirement. Uh, they didn't want... Especially knew he was going to. Well, there was a there was a general feeling, yeah, that Brady was going to come out of retirement because let's face it, Brady is such a competitor. There's no way in hell that he would stay retired, especially coming off of an MVP caliber season. Now, Bruce Arians, uh, he finishes his career with an eighty nine fifty one and one career coaching record along with one Super Bowl title and two Coach of the Year awards. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Arians as a whole, Lou? Do you think he has a shot for the Hall of Fame? Those, those numbers don't clarify him going to the Hall of Fame. What will? He's got to be a lock. Super Bowl I mean, he was, also, he was also a very yeah. bright offensive uh, – he was also a very bright Quarter. offensive mind with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well as the Indianapolis Colts. How could he not get in? Not to, not to mention uh, when he was with the Arizona Cardinals, he turned around that Arizona Cardinals team uh, to where they went as far as losing to the Panthers in the NFC title game that year when uh, – when when uh, Peyton Manning won uh, Super Bowl 50. Yeah. How do you let a game get away? Oh, man. I mean, he started off his career in Indianapolis uh, with a 9-3 and record. I believe he was taking over for – shit, I forget who was the coach at the time. Um for, yeah, he, okay, it was Chuck Pagano. I was I was I was trying to think if it was Pagano or if it was uh, Pagano's uh, the guy that Pagano. No, I think it was Chuck for, but yeah, it was Chuck. But uh, Bruce Arians then took over for him uh, weeks five through sixteen. Uh, he had a nine and three record as the uh, Indianapolis Colts uh, head coach. Then he was hired the very next year by Arizona where he had three straight seasons of winning football, 10 and 6, 11 and 5 and 13 and 3, uh before he ended up finishing 7 and 8 uh or 7 8 and 1 and 8 and 8 his final two years in Arizona. Uh 2 years later, he ended up catching on with the Tampa Bay uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 7 and 9 record. Then he uh went 11 and 5 Brady's first year and won the Super Bowl and ultimately going 13 and 4 last year uh losing to the LA Rams in the uh, divisional game which you know honestly it I still th- I I still think that Tampa Bay should have won that game that it, it was just one of, it was one of those cases where LA it was I wouldn't call it a miracle, but I would call it an improbable outcome. The way that the way that it ultimately ended up going down. Uh, so yeah, an eighty-nine 
51 and one record, and also he has a career record in the playoffs of six and three, uh, where he ended up going one and two with Arizona and five and one with uh, with Tampa Bay in the playoffs. So honestly, to me, I would definitely think that he would be. I'm not saying first ballot, uh, but I think some point down the line, you're probably looking at, uh, you know, at a uh, at a potential Hall of Fame induction. I mean, he's he's the oldest coach to win the Super Bowl. He he had a uh, technically he's a three time Super Bowl champion. Because he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers for their two Super Bowl wins uh, under Ben Roethlisberger. And obviously, of course, the Super Bowl win as head coach of, uh, of the Tampa Bay Bucks. But, I mean, a two-time coach of the year. He, had, he has the record, the franchise record for the Buccaneers' highest win percentage out of all Buccaneers coaches with 65.1%. I mean, maybe the one thing that could potentially keep him away is, let's see, he went one, two, three. Because of the fact that he only coached nine seasons, maybe, is something that could potentially keep him away from the hall. But, I think right. eventually he gets in. I'd he be surprised be if he. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But uh, so they did promote Todd Bowles to uh, to head coach in response to this, and according to uh, according to Bruce Arians Bowles was always going to be his successor uh whenever Arians would decide to leave uh yes oh wait says here that Bowles has interviewed for numerous jobs over the last couple off seasons but he has he's been getting passed over for all of them uh and it seemed to legitimately piss Arians off that Bowles has been getting bypassed all these years uh, considering that him and Arians both go way back uh, in their coaching days, and now Bowles gets the gets the chance to lead the charge with Brady for another run at a Super Bowl on a team that is arguably miles better than the Jets teams that he was uh, handed, and now they'll just have to find. Obviously, they'll have to find a new defensive coordinator, but. I mean, look, looking at this team under Todd, under Todd Bowles, Bowles has normally been known as a defensive coach. And yes. honestly, his first year with the Jets wasn't that bad. You know, 10-6 and six record. Then yes, ultimately, the you could, they had. You could, yeah, and you could, you could argue that it was management's fault that they all of a sudden went downhill like they did. Going five and eleven, five and eleven, four and twelve, in the final years for Todd Bowles. Uh, Bowles also uh, went two and one as an interim coach with the Miami Dolphins all the way back in 2011. Uh, 
Uh, and now he will be the head coach of the Buccaneers for at least the next five years, according to uh, according to uh, the Buccaneers' uh, statement that they officially had put out when uh, announcing uh, his rise, his promotion to head coach. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts, Lou, on uh, on Todd Bowles? Do you think? Uh, do you think he has uh, the right coaching style that could potentially uh, help take the Buccaneers to another uh, Super Bowl appearance? Well, I would, I would think so. I mean, I don't think the Bucs are that far removed um, from uh, getting the Super Bowl title, but I don't think it's going to be any time, you know, in the next couple of years. I mean, it's, uh, he's got some work to do. But, uh, yeah. you know, if he, sticks, if he sticks around long enough. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll of course, I think Brady and the Gronkers will be gone by then. But <laughs> well, well, Gronk, believe it or not, Gronk may actually be done. Period, right now because he still hasn't. Oh, good. Committed. He still hasn't committed to returning next year. I'll be happy, camper. Yeah, believe it. Believe it or not, he's still. Uh, he said he's not ready to commit to the game of football right now, and yeah. I mean that that could ju- that could just mean that that Gronk wants to uh, wants to have time to party like he normally does because he's you know off season Gronk means he's party Gronk. Uh, now, obviously, if he does return, he will return probably to uh, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Uh, he averaged around. You know, for uh, when it comes when it comes to uh, when it comes to fantasy, he averaged around fourteen point three points uh, per game for PPR leagues, which is, which was his highest mark since his twenty seventeen season with the Patriots. Uh, he was among the lead among the league leaders in targets per roots run uh, in Brady's pass heavy offense. And you know he seemed pretty much this second stint like the Rob Gronkowski yes. of old. So I mean, it's I think it would be pretty easy to say that if he does decide to return to to the game of football, that you know there's there's not really going to be that much drop off yeah. out of him. So, I mean, yeah, you know, health would still be an issue considering he has had three back surgeries in his career. But, yeah. You know, and by the way, by the way, he's the only player to have that amount and come back to play. No other NFL player has ever done that. Uh, but hmm. I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking that maybe perhaps he just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to agree to anything right now because, that means that playtime is over, basically, for him. Right. And he's being his normal goofy self. Uh, yes. You know, taking uh, taking uh, taking rides on the Gronk party bus, as he likes to call them. But <laughs> I know. I would be surprised, honestly, Ooh, baby, with Brady we're returning we're now. With Brady returning, I would be pretty surprised if Gronk doesn't. 
Yeah. Well, those two are like, you know, like the R couple. You know, wherever one goes, the other one goes. So, you know, with Brady, you know, uh, back in, I think Gronk is going to be you know, I'm coming back. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And by the way, I, I'm I'm actually watching MLB Network right now. A uh, little score update. Uh, the New York Mets with a 5 nothing lead on Washington in the top of the ninth. So this one and looks this to be pretty injuries. much over. Despite injuries, yeah. Especially, yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody's everybody's with, running off, you know, with uh, DeGrom and uh, Mad Max, you know, out with the injuries for a couple of weeks um, or a couple of months, and yet they're still holding on anyway. So, uh, you know, everybody was saying the panic button a few days ago, like, oh, we're going to do now our two best players. Well, uh, hey, stupid, uh, they're doing fine without him. Of course, yeah, though, they saw uh, last year pretty well. You know, last year um, they started the season 14-5, and five, and then the bottom fell out. So I don't know if it's going to be a repeat performance from last year, but for now it seems to be going on all cylinders. Yeah, and hey, uh, the New York Yankees, they've started out the season pretty good, 2-0, and uh, in their first yeah. two games against the, against the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Sorry. And it looks – yeah, I – I, I honestly I don't even really know what to say about this offense so far from Boston. So, you know, it's I two games I in though. Play. I mean, you know, you can't judge by two by two games. Oh, obviously not. But you know, I thought I no, was going to no, rant no. on. I thought I was going to rant on the bullpen, but the bullpen hasn't even been the problem so far for Boston. It's been the offense that's right. been the problem. Um. Yeah, and also, you know, you know, while while we're on the topic here, because we have a couple of uh, a couple of non extensions to talk about, what are your thoughts on the Yankees on uh, on Aaron Judge turning down an extension offer from the Yankees that would have been seven years worth an average annual value of thirty and a half million dollars? I say to Aaron, are you nuts? You have to be a fool to turn that kind of money. If it was me, I'd take it in a heartbeat. And he would have been the second he would have been the second highest paid outfielder apart from uh apart from Mike Trout of the uh LA yeah. Angels. I mean, have you got rocks in your head, man? I mean, you gotta be a fool so, to turn that kind of money. Two hundred and thirty million over seven years. Anybody would yeah, be glad to take so, it. I know I would. Yeah, thirty and a half average annual value over seven years, and he decided, nah, I'm gonna wait until the off season. So Aaron Judge is going to uh, he is going to free agency. And I'd say he's gone bananas. You know, he's not the only player that's going to free agency. Uh, Xander Bogarts, he has the option to opt out of his deal with the Red Sox, and it sounds like he is going to. He is going uh, to do just that uh, this offseason. I see. He will opt, he's going to opt out of his deal. Uh, the Red Sox gave him a couple of low-ball offers during spring training. And needless to say, uh, I think you're going to – I think that's why the Red Sox signed Trevor Story because – 
they're anticipating that Xander's probably going to leave. Yeah. But you know, actually I'm looking I'm looking at Aaron Judge right now and I mean thirty nine homers, ninety eight RBIs. Uh he batted two eighty seven last year. Uh the guy's four years removed from a fifty two homer season. I mean yep. okay, I could I could see I could see a player asking for more than thirty and a half if he was able to consistently put up high home run numbers like that, but he had t- the following two seasons. He had 27 homers apiece, uh, injury shortened, might I add. Uh, then, of course, there was the lockout, or not the lockout, the uh, COVID shortened season, where he only yes. played in half of the games. He only played in half of the games. Which was a big blow. Uh, then, last year, 148 games, 39 homers, 98 RBIs. 287 batting average. Uh, for his career, he's batting 276 uh, with about 158 homers and 366 RBIs. I mean, that right there, I would say 30 and a half is enough. I don't know. It's why. more than enough. I don't know why he thinks he deserves the numbers that Mike Trout is getting. He is not Mike Trout. No, Mike. Honestly, I don't think there's any there's any uh, batter besides maybe David Ortiz of recent memory that yes. hits the way that hits the way that Mike Trout does. Now, granted, you know Mike Trout has had to deal with injuries over the past couple seasons, but I mean the dude is just a home run machine. So. I mean, yeah, he's making the money he makes because he's able to consistently put out, you know, 30-plus homer seasons back to back to back to back to back. I mean, he's basically been the entire offense of the Angels throughout his whole career. But... uh, Actually, let me see. Where is yeah. – I have some other uh, – speaking of uh, the Angels, Ooh. they did lose uh, They did lose Albert Pujols as he signed a oh, one-year, $2.5 million deal uh, to return to the St. Louis Cardinals, which will be officially his final season in his legendary career. Yes. As it is expected that both him and Yadier Molina will retire at the end of the season, and it's possible that Adam Wainwright may also retire as well. But uh, last year, between the Angels and Dodgers, he hit 236 with 17 homers, and he also had two steals randomly as well. Now, you know, may, maybe perhaps this is more of a nostalgia factor. I mean, he can he can still he can still hit. He just can't hit for nearly as many nearly as much as he as he used to. But 679 career homers. He's a career 297 batter uh, batting average. 
I mean, this dude was the – he was the star of St. Louis for so many years. You know, starting all the way back in 2001. And then yes. he went to L.A., which, complete, which completely shocked everybody. And it just seemed like his numbers were never really the same with the Angels. Though partially age could somewhat have a could somewhat have a bit of a factor. Age can be that. a factor. Age can be a big factor. I mean, this is a dude who averaged close to forty homers per season with, uh, you know, with the Cardinals, and he hit forty only once with the Angels back in twenty fifteen. Uh, he did have a couple of 30 homer seasons, 30, 31. But other than that, you know, his power has sort of declined over over uh, the years. Once once he ended up leaving St. Louis and going to L.A. So, you know, going to St. Louis, this is more of a basically last hurrah. Maybe I can be a hero, you know, uh, rekindle, rekindle some of that old St. Louis Cardinal magic uh, of my early years and maybe bring another World Series to St. Louis. But, you know, I wouldn't really expect too much out of, uh, out of Pujols, no. considering his – considering he only hit 17 homers last year, 50 RBIs. He batted 236 last year. I mean, it's it's very clear that he's he's at the end of his career, essentially. It seems to be that way. I mean, you know, he had slight, I'm not saying slight off, but he had, you know, uh, subsided in recent years. And, you know, players got to know when it's time to, you know, say goodbye and call it a career. Unless, of course, it's going to be Tom Brady, who wants to go to the 110. Which is stupid. Uh, well, I mean, you know, to be fair. You look at you look at Brady's numbers, though. Look at Brady's yeah, numbers. And look at you know he's he's approaching forty five, and a forty five year old isn't supposed to be putting up the numbers he's putting up. No. I wouldn't be surprised at all, honestly, if he, uh, you know, if. Maybe he plays a couple more seasons, assuming that he can continue to put up the numbers he's putting up. Yeah. Uh, one of the big shocks, though, yeah. over the last week, the the L.A. Angels, not only did they lose Albert Pujols, but they also designated outfielder Justin Upton for assignment. Yeah. Upton yeah. is owed $28 million this year in the final year of his five-year deal. And he hit 211 with 17 homers last year and four steals across 362 plate appearances. So this is more of a case of the Angels basically deciding to move on from him while they still can. And I don't know exactly what the cap hit will be what, uh, as far as dead money, but mm. I mean, 28, you know, $28 million, this is kind of, it kind of reminds me of of the Boston Red Sox moving on from Pablo Sandoval. 
and his disaster contract. Uh, We do have, speaking of contracts, we do have some contract extensions. Uh, The Cleveland Guardians, they agreed with uh, star third baseman Jose Ramirez on a five-year extension worth about $124 million. Uh, I can't get used to that name. Oh, yeah, because of Manny. Because Manny used to be a... uh... Oh, the Guardians? Yeah, I still can't get used to that name. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of weird when you think about it. Cleveland Guardians, you know, nobody... Nobody expected that to be the name that they would choose, uh, especially nobody and, um, expected them to have to. Nobody expected them to go to war with uh, with a roller derby team, also conveniently called the Cleveland Guardians. Roller derby, really? Oh boy! Yes, yeah. They uh, they argued it's that back. they had the uh, name. They they argued that they had the name trademarked. Just left it alone. But anyways, the deal is worth five years, 124 mil. Uh, there were mm. rumors that they would eventually move him, uh, and the chatter picked up even more this spring. But it looks like this deal comes with a full no-trade clause, and it runs all the way through the 2028 mm. season. Uh, mm. It easily tops the richest contract that Cleveland has ever handed out to be a, uh, to a player. And it, believe it or not, could be still viewed as rather team-friendly, as he has registered a 912 OPS in over 2,700 plate appearances since the beginning of the 2017 season, while averaging 36 homers, 105 RBIs, 28 stolen bases, and 110 runs scored for every 162 games played. During that span. So to me. That may actually be a pretty big steal for Cleveland. That they were able to get him. On such a. You know. This. You know, we want to. We want to compare Aaron Judge. And uh, and Jose Ramirez. And, what, and contract. Yeah. I would actually think that Aaron Judge would get something similar to the contract that Jose Ramirez got. You know, five years, 124 mil. Yeah. I would expect that Ramirez should have gotten the 30 and a half per season. But, I mean, he, you know, Ramirez is the best third baseman in the sport today. And now the Guardians... The Guardians weren't done there, though, as they also locked up outfielder Miles Straw to a five-year, $25 million contract extension uh, with team options for the 2027 and 2028 seasons. So technically it's a three-year deal, but they have team options for 2027 and 2028. So essentially it's – I guess it's three years – Maybe it's three years twenty-five, or maybe it's three years fifteen. I don't know. Uh, I get it, it depends on what the number value is. It depends on what the number value is for those for those two option years. 
and that has officially gone final. The Mets start out three and zero this year uh, with a five to nothing shutout of the Washington Nationals. Um, let's see. So yeah, yeah, for Miles Straw, uh, he was acquired from the Astros at the trade deadline last July, and he round, he wound up reaching the thirty steal threshold for the Guardians, finishing with a solid 271 batting average with 86 runs scored, four homers, 48 RBIs, and 30 steals across 638 plate appearances. So this basically, it sounds like this is basically the next coming of Coco Crisp for the Guardians. Yeah. I didn't think of that. I mean, it's the numbers are kind of similar. Now, obviously, maybe the power numbers can go up a little bit, but it's it's clear Miles Straw. You know, he isn't really a he isn't really a power hitter. He he more he hits for more like for contact as opposed to power. And speaking of Trout, oh no, that was a rob. Nice catch out in the outfield. I was gonna say it looks like uh it looks like Trout may have gotten a uh his first homer of the season, but nope. Looks yeah, like wait. Wait, is this game on now? Or um, was this earlier? Not now. They're just catching him up now on MLB Network. So it's currently the top of the fifth. Uh one nothing Angels over the Astros right now. But, yeah, you know, this uh, this seems a lot like a Coco Crisp uh, type deal. For, or or it, it looks like a, like a deal for a Coco Crisp type player for the Guardians, who yeah. they originally had Coco Crisp before he ended up becoming uh, a member of the Boston Red Sox during his career. Now, moving on to deals, uh, the Padres, who seemingly have an endless amount of top prospects, apparently, uh, they mm-hmm. acquired Sean. They acquired ace pitcher Sean Manea from the Oakland Athletics in exchange for infielder Eurebio Angelis and uh, Adrian Martinez, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, Manea. Posted a 3.91 ERA last year, uh, over 179 and a third innings for the Athletics. He will solidify a rotation out there in San Diego that includes you, Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, and Mike Clevenger. Uh, Martinez package uh, pitched well in Double A last year, 2.34 ERA over 80 and two thirds innings before he struggled to a 5.28 ERA in AAA. Uh, He will provide some organizational pitching depth. And Angelus, though, seems to be the headliner uh, of this deal as 19-year-old shortstop was signed out of the Dominican Republic in 2018. Uh, He hit 343 last year with three homers and 18 steals in single-A ball last year, uh, in low single-A ball. 
So still a lot of development, but it looks like this is basically the the premier prospect that Oakland was looking for in this deal. Uh, the Padres, they also acquired infielder slash outfielder Matt Beatty from the L.A. Dodgers in exchange for infielder and also right-handed pitcher River Ryan. Uh, Beatty had been designated for assignment by the Dodgers and will head to the Padres, uh, likely setting in as their primary left fielder this year. Uh, he hit two seventy with seven homers. Uh, in 234 plate appearances for the Dodgers last season. Um, Let's see. Elsewhere, the Diamondbacks, uh, they agreed with Kettle Marte to a five-year, $76 million contract extension. Uh, Includes $51 million in additional guaranteed money and also contains a team option for the 2028 season. So basically, this deal eliminates Marte's two remaining option years and covers at least three future free agent years moving forward. Uh, he's a franchise cornerstone for them. Uh, he recorded a 295 batting average with 67 homers and 22 steals over the last five seasons uh, since he had been acquired by the Diamondbacks from the Mariners. Also, uh, Todd Frazier has officially announced his retirement from baseball. Two-time All-Star, stepped away after an 11-year career that included stops with the Reds, White Sox, Yankees, uh, Rangers, Mets, and Pirates. Uh, He finishes with a career average of 241 with 218 homers and 73 career stolen bases across uh, close to 5,000 plate appearances from 2011 to 2021. Uh, let's see. Oh, this was actually a pretty big one. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they acquired infielder Isaac Paredes and a competitive balance pick in this year's draft from the Tigers in exchange for outfielder Austin Meadows. Uh, It says here that Paredes has struggled during his brief time in the majors with just a 592 OPS. However, he has posted some good, uh, some good numbers in the minors, particularly from a plate discipline perspective with nearly as many walks as strikeouts. Uh, He might start this season in the minors, but he could play plenty with the big club in 2022. Uh, Meadows, though, he struggled even more mightily against lefties than he normally did last season, uh, posting just a 563 OPS versus them. However, he did put an 871 OPS while popping 24 homers against right-handed pitching. And now he uh, figures to take over in left field in Detroit with Akil Badu sliding over to center at least until Riley Green is ready to return from his foot injury. Uh, He will make $4 million this year and is under team control through 2024. So that's uh, 
pretty much uh, another step in the Detroit Tigers rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yankees, they did make one minor move. They acquired David McKay from the Tampa Bay Rays for cash considerations, and they officially selected his contract from AAA Scranton Wilkesbury. Uh, he had to be reassigned originally to the Rays minor league camp, but uh, ultimately Tampa, or I mean the Yankees, after acquiring him, ended up selecting his contract and promoted him to the big leagues. Uh, 27-year-old holds a career 6.08 ERA over 26 games at the major league level. And while we're on the Yankees. I got to ask you this, Lou, because yes. I'm kind of surprised at this. How do the Yankees send Miguel Andujar down to the minors? Yeah, that is kind of surprising. After being on the team the last couple of seasons, where, I mean, obviously he hasn't put up the – you know, he hasn't put up a full season since the 2018 season where he had 27 homers and 92 RBIs while batting 297. Uh, he has been pretty dismal over the last couple of seasons. The last season he did have uh, in 45 games played, six homers, 12 RBIs while yeah, batting 253. Kind of I mean, it seems kind of it seems kind of uh, surprising for at one point a guy who was considered to be, you know, one of the Yankees' top prospects, and now at the age now at the age of twenty six, uh, turning twenty. Actually, no, he did turn twenty seven already back in March. Uh, you know, it seems like he's basically. Like he he hasn't been able to once once uh, teams were able to catch on to him and able to game plan for him that he hasn't been able to adjust. It seems. That's why I wasn't. So I thought I, you know, I kind of thought I kind of thought that was surprising that uh, they left him off of their uh, off of their opening day roster. Well, we you're not satisfied with the player. That's probably what they would do. And obviously, Aguilar's numbers, you know, they haven't been, you know, up to par. So, Yankees made a move and got rid of him. I mean, I expected uh, I expected Tim LaCastro to start in the minors this year. I kind of expected that. I didn't expect uh, Andujar, though, to start in the minors. Hmm. So, anyways, I mean that was that was kind of surprising to me. Uh, let's see some score updates uh, around Major League Baseball from earlier today. Uh, we have a two to one win for the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves over the Cincinnati Reds. Atlanta starts off the season at two and one. Uh, Kansas City in 10 innings, a one nothing victory over the Cleveland Guardians. So Kansas City improves to 2-0. Uh, Yankees, of course, 4-2 over Boston. 
uh, with uh, the Yankees improving to 2-0 and on the year. Miami evens their record at 1-1 one one, thanks to a 2-1 to victory over the San Francisco Giants. Uh, this game has been postponed uh, between Chicago and Milwaukee. Uh, Is it snowing? To, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Was it snowing? It could be. Knowing Chicago, you know, that would be a surprise. I mean, they, they can get snow in July. Yeah, it, it it doesn't say it doesn't say why, but uh, they were postponed today. Um, I bet I I guess maybe they'll do like a double header or something tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, let's see the San Diego Padres with a three nothing shutout over the Arizona Diamondbacks, so they uh, even out there. Oh wait, that was yesterday. What am I talking about? Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, that was yesterday. Uh, let's see. Philly and Philly and Oakland. Philly with a four to two victory over Oakland. Philly improves to two and zero. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays improved to two and zero with a four to three victory over the Texas Rangers. Chicago improves to two and zero with a nine nothing shutout over the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, let's see. St. Louis with a 6-2 victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they are 2-0 to start the year. Uh, Seattle also improves to 2-0 with a 4-3 victory over the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Chicago, the White Sox with a 5-2 victory over Detroit. They are 1-1 now. And Tampa Bay improves to 2-0 and with a 5-3 victory over the Baltimore Orioles. Games that are still in progress. Uh, L.A., they are currently threatening with runners at second and third in the bottom of the fifth. Shohei Otani up at the plate. Uh, but they are currently leading one nothing over the Houston Astros. Uh, San Diego with a 4-2 lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks in the second game of their doubleheader. Uh, the L.A. Dodgers, they have the bases loaded right now against the Colorado Rockies in the top of the eighth, where they are both tied at two apiece. But there are two outs currently in the top of the eighth, so we will see where what happens with that. And it looks like those are all of the games currently uh, from today. Well, I have an update in case you're interested, even though it's not really what is considered the mainstream. Uh, the college hockey tur- uh, finals are tonight, and what looked like a close game to start this third period is now going to be a, well, almost like a wipeout, as Denver is about to win against Minnesota State. Now, wait a minute, Minnesota State, that's not the Golden Gophers, right? No, no, Golden Gophers lost. Okay. Obviously, the Minnesota State, that was the battle of Minnesota. I mean... Oh, Denver had wow. a one nothing lead um, early on, then Minnesota uh, State tied up. But in the last uh, five minutes, well, minutes, uh, Denver has just poured it on. Oh, so this is actually for the championship because they're yep. in the Frozen Four, but this is the title game. The title game. Wow. Yeah. So. So. Uh, you know, I all I can say is it's going to be a party night at Rocky Mountain High. Yeah, you know, I uh, here's the thing too. I never expected 
I never expected a team like Denver because normally in college Five, hockey, four, you don't see three, two, it's over. Try the party, Denver. In college hockey, you normally don't see teams like Denver making it all the way to the title game. Denver's not that bad. No, they're not that bad. But, you know, normally you see like Minnesota or Boston right. College, Boston University. You don't see Maine. I think, hell, I th- uh, yeah, Maine. Hell, I think even UMass was there at one point uh, over the last couple of years. But you don't see, you know, teams like Denver uh, make it as far as they have here uh, with them winning no. the uh, the Frozen Four. And actually, I think AI, I think AIC was actually in uh, this year, American International College. Yes, please. Which they ended up losing. Wait, were they part of the? Were they part of the Frozen Four, or were they? I forget. I forget if they were. Because uh, I believe it was. I believe Minnesota State beat. Was it – wait, did Minnesota State beat Minnesota or – because I yes. believe UMass – I believe UMass was in the tournament at one point, but they ended up losing to – I think it was Minnesota. Yes. All right, well, this this game uh, literally just went final on ESPN, so a 5-1 to one victory for Denver. Wow, I just could, you know, Denver, Denver ended you up are. winning Denver ended up winning this. Could uh, the Colorado Avalanche uh, pick up where Denver leaves off and potentially take Don't off push the your luck. Don't push your luck. No? No. I mean, 108 points. They're yeah, they're but tied you know, every Florida. but usually when a team gets that high, they usually fall. They usually fall out like in the second round. I mean, because eventually they get to that run out of gas. It's happened plenty of times in the playoffs, man. I've seen it before. Yeah, true. That's true. I mean, they're tied with Florida right now for the President's Cup. With let's see, does Florida have? No, Florida's done. So. Colorado, it's all in Colorado's hands. And let's yeah, see, they're the currently they're currently scoreless. With oh wait, no, no, it's it's not done. So wait a minute. Oh, wait, how many games are there this year? There are eighty-two games, but remember the season uh, got pushed back because everybody was uh, getting COVID. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot about the COVID uh, postponement. Okay, so there's, have yeah, there's, yeah, there's still there's still games left to be played then. Yeah, end of the month, April twenty eighth is the last day of the regular season. Oh, okay. Yeah, but actually, Rangers you know, have a hundred uh, points now. Yeah. I noticed uh they they've somehow yeah. been able to tie Carolina. Uh you know, Carolina at one point looked like they weren't able to be caught, but uh yeah. somehow 
somehow Carolina, I, I got to tell you one thing. I don't want the Bruins to face Carolina at all in the playoffs. So I hope if, uh, I hope if New York has to uh, deal with Carolina, New York is able to get, uh, is able to get by them because Carolina, for some reason, every time they faced Boston this year, completely whooped our asses each and every single game that we played. Uh, mm. But Boston Gee, has completely turned it around since Boston has completely turned it around since they got Hampus Lindholm though from uh, from Anaheim. So, mm. and actually, uh, speaking of you know the standings in the Eastern Conference, obviously uh, Metropolitan Division, you got Carolina, you got the Rangers uh, tied for. Uh, for number one, but because Carolina holds the tiebreaker, they have the, uh, or actually no, it's win percent or point percentage. They actually are leading the Rangers right now. They have the number one seed. Rangers have the number two. Uh, Pittsburgh with the number three seed uh, with 92 points. Uh, For the Atlantic division, you got Florida up top with 108. You got Toronto in second with 100, and you got Boston uh, taking over Tampa Bay last night uh, thanks to their win over Tampa Bay with 95 points. Uh, The two wild cards right now are currently Tampa Bay with 94 and Washington with 88. So it's easy to say that Pretty much anybody who is who is in the top three right now for the Eastern Conference has pretty much locked up a playoff spot. Uh, yeah. Even though mathematically, mathematically so far Pittsburgh and Boston haven't been uh, officially clinched, but it's only a matter of time, considering the fact that. Yeah. I mean, Boston is separated by the from the Islanders by about twenty points. And so, so the Islanders would have to win each of their last games, and Boston would have to lose each of their last games in order to in order for the Islanders to make it. Um, Mathematically possible, realistically, no. No. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, in the Western Conference, you have Colorado, who has locked up a playoff spot, 108 points, with about 11 games to go. Uh, in the Central Division, Minnesota in second with 92, and St. Louis in third with 92. Over in the Pacific, you have the Calgary Flames leading the way with with 97 points, followed by Edmonton in second with 89, and Los Angeles in third with 86. In the wild card, you have the Nashville Predators with 86 and Dallas with 84, just barely hanging on, uh, two points ahead of Vegas with 82. So it looks like it's going to be a pretty crowded uh, playoff picture uh, moving forward. And actually. As far as the Eastern Conference goes, uh, Carolina, New York, Florida, and Toronto have all officially locked up their playoff spots. So uh, they are officially confirmed. And for the Western Conference, it's literally just Colorado who has so far locked up their spot. Mathematically, that is. 
But plenty of games left, so we will see where that takes us. Uh, Games from today, we have finals from earlier. The St. Louis Blues with a 6-1 to one win over the New York Islanders. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks with a 5-3 victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. The Rangers 5-1 to one over the Ottawa Senators. The Red Wings drop a 5-4 to four loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets in overtime. The Maple Leafs with a 3-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Flames 4-1 to one over the Seattle Kraken. Panthers also 4-1 to one over the Nashville Predators. The Capitals 6-3 to three over the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Devils with a 3-1 to one victory over the Dallas Stars. That could really bite Dallas moving forward here as they're just barely hanging on. Uh, Vegas, Vegas can actually tie Dallas. They can hang on here. Uh, two to one lead right now for the Vegas Golden Knights at the end of the first period over the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the Avalanche and Oilers are scoreless after one and with about five and a half minutes to go in the first, the Canucks and Sharks are tied at one apiece. Uh, as far as the NHL goes, we did also have some news that Ryan Getzlaff will officially retire at the end of this season. Uh, the, the longtime Anaheim Duck uh, captain, uh, his last home game will officially be on April 24th, and his last NHL game will take place on the 29th. Uh, currently, uh, actually... No, that number's probably wrong, so let me get the updated uh the updated list here because actually he hasn't really been much of a scorer recently, so let's see what his number is now. Uh NHL three. Okay, so it it is uh, technically accurate. Uh, he has 282 goals uh, along with 1,013 career points in 1,150 career games as of now. Uh, he won the Stanley Cup with Anaheim back in 2007. Uh, he has taken a step back in recent years, but he is still playing at a high level uh, with three goals and 31 points in 49 contests this season. Uh, so this is – he will basically have spent his entire career with the Anaheim Ducks uh, and thus will officially retire at the end of this season. And I believe there's not too many people left from the 2003 draft class, I think. Uh, let me look. Uh, my opinion, probably not. Yeah, I don't – think there's at least from the first round uh let's see mark andre flurry he's still playing eric stahl he is a free agent so technically he's not playing as of now uh nikolai zherdev is with uh he's overseas thomas vanek is retired 
Milan McCallick, uh, I think he's retired too. Because he last played for Toronto, I think. Ryan Suter is still around. Braden Coburn is retired. Uh, Dion Fanouf is retired. Uh, Andre Kostitsin is a free agent, but he's playing overseas, I believe. Jeff Carter is still in the league. He's with the Penguins. Hugh Jessamon is retired. Dustin Brown is still playing for the Kings. Brent Seabrook is retired due to injury, uh, but he still his contract is still actually uh, around. His contract is currently owned by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Robert Nielsen is playing overseas. Steve Bernier is retired. Zach Parise is with the Islanders currently. Eric Fair is playing overseas. Getzlaff. Uh, he will be retiring this year. Brent Burns, he is still around with the San Jose Sharks. Mark Stewart, retired. Uh, Mark Antoine Pouliot is overseas. Kessler, I mean, technically his contract is still around, but he's technically retired. Mike Richards yeah. is retired. Anthony Stewart, he hasn't been around in a while. Brian Boyle is still with the Penguins. Ciambellini is retired. Corey Perry is with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Patrick Eves is retired, and Sean Bell is retired. So, I mean, there's obviously, you know, in the second round, there's a couple of people here uh, who are still around too, but most of them are technically retired. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of players from that draft class. Huh? Maybe maybe it's. I'm trying to remember which which draft class was Sidney Crosby. Was that oh five? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh five. Yes, yes, oh five. Okay, that might be the one I'm thinking of. Uh. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely 2005. I'm thinking of the uh, as far as the list of notable names. Okay, yeah. But anyways, uh, Getzlaff is set to retire at the end of this season. So next stop on our list, we have uh, the NBA playoffs to talk about and. First, before we do that, we do have a couple of injury notes, which are pretty huge for the playoffs uh, moving forward here. Uh, Boston Celtics center, Robert Williams, he suffered a torn meniscus in his left knee. Yes. Uh, Originally, he was set to miss several weeks. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like his timeline will be if the Celtics advance to the second round. Uh, if they do, he will likely return in time for the second round because uh, he ended up uh, undergoing the partial surgery. So I guess it was partially torn. It wasn't fully torn. 
That's any consolation. Uh, but it but he will miss the rest of the regular season, uh, which has made the Celtics trip to the playoffs a bit uh a bit more troublesome, but they are officially locked in for home court advantage for at least the first round. Uh here. Uh let's see here. Darius Baisley, uh, he was diagnosed with a non-displaced tibial plateau fracture in his right knee, and he will miss uh, the remaining eight games of the season. Uh, average of 10.8 points per game, 6.3 rebounds. Uh, no, I don't even... I forget what... Uh... What is he even? Oh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, they're not even in. <laughs> they're not even in the playoffs anyway. So, uh, one thing which could be a huge, uh, a huge uphill battle now for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they have been playing most of the season without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Jamal Murray had left ACL surgery, and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, has had an issue with his back. Uh, they have been officially ruled out for tomorrow's season finale against the Lakers, and they are unlikely to return to, uh, during the playoffs, according to Sham Sharania of The Athletic. Uh, the last reports were that Jamal Murray was not close to a, to a return, and Michael Porter Jr. ended up suffering a setback. Uh, so now Denver is going to face either Dallas or Golden State in the first round of the playoffs. Which let's just let's just put it this way: it's a very high hill for Denver to climb. Yeah, I would imagine so. Continue, considering the fact that they are missing their second and third best players, so now all pressure is going to be on Nikola Jokic to lead Denver to a uh, to an NBA title this year. Uh, however, it does say that both guys should be ready for the beginning of next season uh, and will obviously make the team far more dangerous than they are right now. With that being said, let's take a look at the standings and where things currently stand as far as the playoff picture. As far as the Eastern Conference goes, all the playoff teams have been determined. The only thing that hasn't been determined is who will be the number three, who will be the number two, the number three, or the number four seed. As it stands right now, Miami is locked in at number one. They will face the number eight seed, which will be the winner of nine and ten against the loser of seven and eight. Uh, As far as nine and ten goes, right now it is, let's see. Okay, yeah, so he... Uh, 
I guess there could be, depending on what happens, the 7, 8, 9, and 10 could still technically move around. Uh, but right now, as it stands, with about one game to go, with tomorrow being the season finale, uh, mm-hmm. the the matchups for the play-in tournament as of now are Atlanta against Charlotte and Brooklyn against Cleveland. Now the winner of Brooklyn the winner of Brooklyn and Cleveland would go on to face the number 2 seed who is currently the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, however, Milwaukee however Milwaukee is planning on sitting all of their starters tomorrow. So there is a possibility that Milwaukee could potentially lose considering they're playing I think it's Cleveland. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Obviously, Atlanta against Charlotte, you know, I would expect Atlanta will probably win that. So that means Atlanta or Atlanta or Charlotte would face the what would face the loser of Brooklyn and Cleveland. And the and the winner of that would be the number eight seed who would then take on the Miami Heat in the first round. While the winner of seven and eight would face uh, the number two seed who is currently Milwaukee. However, over in the Western Conference, it's the same thing. Uh, Nine versus ten. New Orleans currently is slated to face uh, San Antonio. And Minnesota, as the number seven, currently is slated to face the L.A. uh, Clippers, who are number eight. So the winner of New Orleans and San Antonio will face the loser of Minnesota and L.A. The winner of that game will then face uh, will then meet up with the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Uh, while the winner of Minnesota and L.A. will face the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. Now, as far as the other seeds go, the other matchups go, as it, as it stands right now, we have the number three seeded Boston Celtics, currently slated to take on the Chicago Bulls in the first round, who will not have Lonzo Ball. No. Or I, I should I should add who will likely not have Lonzo Ball. And maybe potentially Alex and maybe potentially Alex Caruso. Uh meanwhile you have a matchup between the number four and number five, which would be the Philadelphia 76ers hosting the Toronto Raptors. Now, I've heard there may be vaccination problems with not just Philly, but also Boston. Uh, there's un- an right. unknown status uh, when it comes to Jalen Brown as to whether or not he is vaccinated or not, because the rule is you have to be fully vaccinated in order to play in Toronto. Yes, uh, all Canada is. And for Philly, I don't know who is not vaccinated in Philly, but that could be an issue uh, for the 76ers. 
if they don't have any player if they have players who aren't vaccinated. Um, over in the Western Conference, the current first round matchups looks like you got Golden State against Denver, and you have Dallas against Utah. Assuming that these numbers hold up. However, with the way that things are turning out for tomorrow, it looks like Toronto is going to probably sit all their starters along with Chicago because both teams are locked in at five and six. So Boston, from all indication, it sounds like Boston will be playing all of their players against Memphis who – uh, with John ja Morant returning from injury tonight, he want they wanted him to play in at least one game before the playoffs, which the, mm-hmm. he did tonight. So it sounds like they might sit him for tomorrow's matchup against Boston, which means that if Boston if Boston beats Memphis and the Bucks who are going to be who are planning to sit all of their starters. If they lose to Cleveland, it is entirely possible that Boston will move up to the number two seed and will have to Ugh. face the winner of Brooklyn and Cleveland. So basically the two and three the two, three and four seeds are still up for grabs tomorrow, uh, when it comes to the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, let me see. Yeah, no, I'd say maybe the only seeds up for grabs are the three and four seeds uh, right now. Well, actually, no, five and six, too, because five and six, uh, Utah and Denver are tied, uh, okay. 48 and 33. So that those two are still up for grabs, and Golden State and Dallas are still up for grabs. So, Basically, basically Dallas and Golden State, they do have home court advantage locked in. It just has to do with what team they end up facing, essentially. Right. Whether it'll be Utah or if it'll be Denver. Um, Now, as far as, yeah, pretty much the play-in tournament is locked in for the Western Conference as well. You know what? Because this is uh because they are officially locked in, I gotta bring up this Lou. What are your thoughts yeah. on the LA Lakers being eliminated from playoff contention? You know, I was asking that question all week. What happened to the Lakers? Where do you what do you what do you put the blame on? Do you put the blame on, you know, uh the bus family? Do you put the blame on LeBron? Do you put it on the coach? Or do you blame it on Westbrook? Because Westbrook was finally got here. And then all of a sudden, you know, they just, you know, uh, fizzled out. I mean, they were expecting to go to the finals this year against the Nets. Now that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, everybody was claiming that the uh, Lakers were loaded with talent and would run over everybody, and that's been far from the case. I mean, I know the injuries have played a part, um, you know, and, of course, COVID, you know, pretty much uh, shook them up. But where do you really put the blame on the Lakers of what went wrong this year? Yeah, you know, they've been a train wreck. You know, I don't really know because 
I mm. almost want to put it on management. Not exactly, not exactly Jeannie Buss oh. or, or the Buss family, but I want to put it on management because of the fact that they acquired Westbrook, and they didn't even look to see if you know if he would actually be a fit in L.A. Because we all know yeah. the type of player Westbrook is. He's a ball hog. He doesn't like so I've to share. He does, despite his triple-double numbers of the past, he doesn't like to share. He's been more of a ball – he's been more of a detriment uh, on winning teams than he, than he has been, uh, right. you know, a contributor. Like, take Houston, for example. Houston, they were, uh, you know, they were a top – they were one of the top teams with James Harden. Westbrook comes in, completely ruins that dynamic. And then essentially, uh, you know, that, that basically started the whole, uh, the whole down spiral of James Harden's career uh, as a Houston Rocket. They came over here to the net, and then it wasn't satisfied. That's how now he's, a, now he's up the turnpike in Philadelphia. Yeah. Westbrook then went to Washington, and Washington wasn't the same team with Westbrook. You know, he he was having to share the ball with Bradley Beal. It, it you know it's then he goes over to L.A. and L.A. paid an expensive price for him. Yeah, and now. LA is finding, uh, you know, I'm, I understand, you know, LA, you want to build a team around LeBron James for however many years he has left. But I mean, right from the get go, this was not a good fit because you have three stars in Anthony Davis, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and James and Westbrook are both ball hogs. To begin with, no. So, you know, this was never gonna. This was never gonna work out. I mean, it would be different if maybe they acquired somebody like I don't know John Wall as a point guard. Yes. I mean, I mean, granted. I mean, granted, John Wall doesn't have the same eye-popping numbers that Russell Westbrook uh, was putting up every year, but exactly. You know, Wall was more of a was more of a facilitator than Westbrook. Westbrook was was the guy for so many years in his career. He was basically the LeBron James of Oklahoma City post Durant. He was the LeBron James, or he was starting to turn into the. Le- well, no, I shouldn't even say that because. Uh, Harden was still number one in uh, in Houston, but you know, and, and the thing that sucks is they're looking at they're turning Frank Vogel, their head coach, into the scapegoat here. Yeah. When mm-hmm. honestly, I mean, I've seen Frank Vogel do more with worse teams than what he's had to deal with this year. It's on Vogel. 
No, no. I, I really so don't. Yeah, I really don't think it's on Vogel. So the fact that, you know, he's basically being looked at as a scapegoat here with a 32-49 and 49 season so far, which could be, four, could well, be 32 and 50. That's something that's depending on. Nothing to be proud of either, you know. I mean, considering where they went to the I mean, just two seasons removed from them being a championship, and look where they've sunk to. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, you know, you take a look at a lot of members of that Lakers roster that have left. Okay. I mean, just uh, right. Just to take a look here, you know, they had Alex Caruso. Uh, they had eight. Well, Bradley didn't really do that much off the bench. They had Contavious Caldwell Pope, who is now with Washington. He was part of the uh, Russell Westbrook deal. Uh, they had Dwight Howard, who was. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the other big man. Never mind. Howard is still with the team. They had Kyle Kuzma, yeah. who is a wizard. Uh, they had JaVale McGee, who is now a Phoenix Sun. Uh, Markeith Morris, who is a, a, a member of the Miami Heat. Rajon Rondo, who is a Cav. J.R. Smith, who is off smoking somewhere uh, in free agency. Dion Waiters, you know, he's retired. Or not retired, but he's not playing currently. Danny Green, who is a 76er right now. Uh, Jared Dudley, who is an assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, they lost, since that season, they've lost so many players that they previously had on that championship team. And, you know, it's with, with that much turnover, I mean, you can't really expect to put on another championship team like that. So I don't know if I would place all of the blame on you know on on Frank Vogel. Well, let me say, where do you put it? I mean, that's a hard question to ask cuz you know a lot went wrong and there was so much expected of him this year. And it just fell just Fell right off the wagon, or the wheelbarrow. Yeah, they did also. They they did also lose Wesley Matthews as well to uh, Milwaukee of free uh, from free agency. Uh, they lost Mark Gasol to retirement. Yep, that's true. Uh, let's see. You that know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Caldwell Pope, and. Uh, you know, like I said, Caldwell Pope, he was part of that deal. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker, let's face it, he's still on the team, but he's nowhere near what that contract uh, he has uh, is right. worth. Uh, you know, Ben McLemore, he's now a member of the Trailblazers. Uh, Alfonso McKinney, you know, he's he last played for Chicago this year, I think. He's no longer with the team. You know, it's just they've lost so many players since that championship team that you can't really expect 
Oh, and another thing, too, they had Montrez Harrell last year, too. Oh, wow. Before he ended up uh, becoming a Charlotte Hornet this offseason. They had Andre Drummond last year before he became a Brooklyn Net in free agency. Uh-huh. They still had Kuzma before he was traded to Washington. They had Dennis Schroeder before he became a Boston Celtic and then later got traded to Houston. So, you know, they still they, – they had a team last year that was capable of potentially making it to the finals again, but – this year, they lost so many players that, you know, when they added in Westbrook, it's just not the same team. I mean, you look at this list. They add in Westbrook. They add in DJ Augustine, which he's been a serviceable player off of the bench most of his career. Uh, they added – oh, that's another thing. They added in Carmelo Anthony. You want to mm. talk about one of the you want to talk about one of the biggest egos in basketball. You can say that again. They added in Carmelo Anthony. You want to talk about mm. egos and a ball hog. That's another one. Yeah. That's why we didn't win a championship with him. They added in uh Kent, you know, they brought in Kent Bazemore. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. They brought in Kendrick Nunn from the uh, Miami Heat. Malik Monk. I mean, they have players. They have players who are capable. The problem is, is that, you know, I don't know. Maybe it is the coach. Maybe it is the, maybe it's the coach. Or maybe, maybe the luster of LeBron James is starting to wear off. Because, I mean, you take a look at his numbers this year. I was thinking that, yeah. You take a look at his numbers this year. 30.3 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, 6.2 assists. He's basically becoming the offense of the Lakers. Yes. You know, some could potentially argue as well that Anthony Davis wasn't fully healthy this year, and that might have had that might have that might have played a little bit of a factor. Uh, I mean, let's look at Carmelo Anthony: thirteen point three points per game off the bench, four point two rebounds. Uh, he was part of the seventy fifth anniversary team for the NBA. Uh, let's see, Kent. Ba- Ooh, Kent Bazemore hasn't really done much. Wow, this is actually a career a career low season for him. Three point four points, one point eight rebounds. Damn, he's barely being used off of that bench. Malik Monk, thirteen point four points per game, three point four rebounds, two point nine assists. Kendrick Nunn, fourteen point six. Yeah, you know, I mean, they have players who are putting up the points but you know I'm, I'm kind of wondering maybe it is Frank Vogel or maybe it's 
the fact that LeBron has decided to become more of a coach as opposed to being a player. Which he's not. He's only a player. Players can't be coaches. And maybe perhaps that is partially playing into it. Because, I mean, you know, just taking a look at Frank Vogel's record, you know, he had many, he he had quite a few uh, successful seasons with Indiana. You know, uh, actually, his best season was his best season was in Indiana with fifty uh, fifty six and twenty six record. Yeah, uh, sure. He had a he had a fifty two and nineteen record uh, with LA. Uh, in their championship season, I should say, uh, he had a forty-two and thirty record last year. Basically, more often than not, he had a winning record in Indiana with only one season out of out of six seasons in Indiana. Only one season he finished below five hundred and didn't make the playoffs. Then he had two seasons in Orlando, but let's face it, Orlando is a shithole to begin with when it comes to a, to a team. Now, so you know he wasn't really given much a chance, uh, much of a chance to succeed to begin with in Orlando. Uh, so I don't know if I would really count those two Orlando seasons. Then you have yeah. L.A. You have two seasons in L.A. Uh, prior to this season with uh, a championship win and a first-round exit. But, I mean, this year, this year is just inexcusable. So I'm, I'm almost kind of wondering if maybe perhaps the competitive balance has just gone up so much this year that L.A. is just starting to fall behind. And maybe age kind of has something to do with it, because if age we take a look, I mean, if we take a look at this roster, you have Westbrook who is thirty-three, Wayne Ellington is thirty-four, DJ Augustine is thirty-four, LeBron and Carmelo are both thirty-seven, Seven. Bazemore is thirty-two. Avery Bradley is 31. Dwight Howard is 36. I mean, there's, you know, these players aren't getting any younger. Neither am I. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe maybe age is playing a factor. I mean, yeah, they're oh, still putting up to. big, you know, they're still putting up big, uh, big number seasons, but health is also is also playing a factor in in this you know the the older these players get they're not able to be they're not able to stay out on the court as much as they uh as much as they used to no so i don't know you know i don't know if you can really put this on on the coaching if you can put it on management because management made the decision you know they went out, they went out and they got westbrook but i i just i i don't know if maybe perhaps 
they should have looked at Westbrook and said, does he fit here? You know, would he be able to gel with LeBron James and, you know, could could he handle being a third wheel after so many years where he was a number one or a number two with uh, with Houston, with Washington, uh, or with Oklahoma City? Could he handle being a third wheel again? And, I mean, he's putting up the production, although he is close to his he is actually close to his uh, career low in three-point percentage this year, only shooting 29.8% from three-point range. So, you know, production has definitely taken a step back. I don't know, though. I don't know where where you can firmly place this on because – yeah. Management did go out and they did get the talent. Which also goes but, to show that it doesn't matter who you are, what your name is, if you're not producing well, you're not going to get results, no matter what your payroll is. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's just the case that they don't have a well-rounded team. Like... Okay, yeah. they have they have all the starters, but their bench is maybe kind of lacking a little bit. Mm. Like maybe they have one or two good guys for the bench, but they don't have like they have a sixth and a seventh player and maybe an eighth right. player, but but after eight, the bench dr- drastically drops off. They don't have Jack. Basically, I don't know. I I'm still puzzled, honestly, as far as to as far as to why LA hasn't been able. You know, they they weren't able to uh, to yeah. uh, live up to expectations. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like they may potentially blow everything up. This uh. Do not rule it out this off season. They may blow everything up. You mean a fire sale? A fire sale, yeah. A fire sale. I mean, maybe yeah. they may but, they may still keep they may still keep Anthony Davis potentially to build around, but uh, well, I heard I mean, he's uh, on the trade rumors market. Oh, really? Well, those are just blogs, and those are just rumors. I don't know if they're actually true or not, but I did hear some. I did hear Anthony Davis's name being mentioned in uh, possible trades. Only possible. Wow, I would have thought. I would have thought that they would keep. I would think that they would keep uh, Davis to potentially try and build around because of the fact that within, if not this off season, next year, uh, LeBron is probably gone. Um, That's true. Because he wants because he wants to play with his uh, he wants to play with his son before he retires. He wants to be on the same team as his son. Um, yeah. You know, it's I, I know I know it's definitely likely that uh, Russell Westbrook's going to get traded this off season. I think it's very yeah. likely that he gets traded. 
As a matter of fact, they did have a deal. They did have a deal in place for a straight up swap between Russell Westbrook and John Wall, and the Lakers for some reason said no. The Lakers for some reason declined it for whatever reason. Yep, there was a reason. But I don't know. It's it's very puzzling to me. I, I almost kind of wonder yeah, if maybe it's Yeah, I think it's, it's perhaps, like a lot of other people too. I almost wonder if maybe it's perhaps the league keeps evolving when it comes to, you know, when it comes yeah. to matchups, when it comes to matchups and it comes to, uh, you know, the style, the style of play, the pace of play that, you know, age probably plays a factor into it that, you know, yep. these, you have a whole bunch of old players on the Lakers who are getting beat by a whole bunch of young guns on other teams. Right. You shot I mean, hell, you take a look. I mean, you take a look at the Western Conference. Phoenix, they got Devin Booker. They added Chris Paul last year. I mean, Chris Paul is up there in age, too, but he's a perfect complement to Booker. They also got DeAndre Ayton, yeah. which is why they're a huge juggernaut in the Western Conference right now. Memphis, right. they got Ja Morant, who is single-handedly uh, – pushing that Memphis team up to the top. They have a well-rounded bench as well out there in Memphis. Golden State, the return of Klay Thompson. Uh, Steph Curry is, uh, is, is the same guy he's always been. You know, Golden State is right. back, to being, back to being the team that they're supposed to be. You got Luka Doncic making these video game style uh, shots. Dallas, that nobody's like, everybody's like, there's no way he makes it from that far. And he ends up making it. Yeah. yeah. Utah, you got a young team. Denver, you got Nikola Jokic, who who many people look at as an MVP candidate, if not the MVP. Yeah. You know, uh, LA, you got Paul George, you got Kawhi Leonard when when he eventually comes back. Uh, Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Edwards. You know they're they have a young core there that's starting to finally gel. San Antonio. Uh, I mean, honestly, there's nothing there's nothing to say about San Antonio because, uh, you know they they actually sold at the deadline. They traded away Derek White, one of their top bench players. So. There's nothing I can really say about San Antonio. Um, no, New Orleans. New Orleans. They ended up picking up. Uh, you know, they got obviously Zion Williamson is uh, he's out for the he's out for the rest of the year oh, with an, an injury, I think. Uh, but C.J. McCollum. They ended up picking up C.J. McCollum from from Portland. They had Brandon Ingram. You know, one of the Laker rejects that wasn't good enough to be uh, to to stay in L.A. So they had to trade him uh, in the Anthony Davis deal, and now all of a sudden he's a stud in in New Orleans. 
you know, it's you have you have all these teams with all these young players that are you know that are that are living up to uh their billing. And then you have LA who's sticking instead instead of getting younger, they're getting older. So yeah. and the young and the young talent that they do have have either been traded away or are flat out horrible, like Taylor Horton Tucker. So I mean there's not really much more that can be said about the Lakers, I feel. It's no. It's come to a point where you're likely looking at a fire sale. If I'm LA, you're getting a you're getting a new coach. You know, who knows how lo- how how much longer LeBron's going to be there. Uh for all we know, LeBron could pot- could potentially ask out this off season, for all we know. I think he's gonna play one more year. Um, oh no, I think he'll play a couple more years. Uh, let me let me look actually. Let me see. Yeah. His son, uh, Bronny James, is seventeen. So, ooh. Oh wait a minute. Yeah. Would he be eligible for the draft this year? Interesting. Mm. Let me look. Yeah. Because if he can, if he's eligible for the draft this year, he could potentially, that could potentially spell, um, okay, so no, he'll be graduating from high school in 2023. And he will play for a college the following year. So basically, at the end of 2024, where LeBron will be 39 going on 40, it will probably be LeBron's final year in the league. Mm-hmm. So I think eventually, you know, these. I think eventually the the Lakers are going to have to plan on doing on on investing something uh, on investing in the future because right now they got nothing when it comes to young talent at least compared to where they were. I mean, they got Mac McClung who out of Texas Tech is 23 years old. They got Taylor Horton Tucker who's 21 in his second year. Uh they got Malik Monk, who's 24. They got Kendrick Nunn, who's 26. Stanley Johnson is 25. Austin Reeves is 23. He's a rookie out of Oklahoma. And actually, Reeves has been pretty good this year. 6.9, 6.9 points per game. Not bad for a rookie. Uh, yeah. Wenyan Gabriel is 25, and Mason Jones out of Arkansas is 23. And Mason Jones has been pretty good as well, six points per game. So they do have a couple of of pieces, a couple of young pieces, but honestly, it it, it isn't the same uh, compared to what they had previously. 
you know, when it comes to when it comes to some of the young talent that they uh that they had that that they had amassed to trade over for Anthony Davis. Like and for Anthony Davis, they lost Lonzo Ball, they lost uh Brandon Ingram. You know, they traded away a pretty penny and then some to get Anthony Davis. And of course we've seen what Lonzo Ball has now become for Chicago, where Lonzo has basically been their second best player. And actually a key reason why Chicago has now been struggling so much is because they haven't had Lonzo Ball for God knows how long. So, you know, I, I, I definitely think a fire sale is on its way for L.A., and I think it starts with Russell Westbrook. I wouldn't be surprised. I think, I think he's done. I think you may see a couple of those bench players like Dwight Howard. I think Dwight Howard is out. Uh, I think there's a, you know, there's a couple of other bench players that are probably going to be gone. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, I believe he's, let me check. I believe he's on a one-year deal. Uh, he's, well, I don't know. Maybe he may stay around, but 37 Mm -hmm. going on 38, I don't know. Borderline. Uh, yeah. Let's see. He signed with the Lakers this year. Terms of the deal were not released. So uh, let me check and see if I can find. There's a, there's always somewhere that has the contract listings. Let's see. Yeah, it was one year. So uh, Mello is going to be a free agent. Uh, Avery Bradley's going to be a free agent, but Bradley hasn't been good, honestly, since since he left Boston. Uh, you know, there's there's quite a few players, I believe, that are going to be free agents. So you could see a massive overhaul potentially in the off season, and maybe they try to do it one more time with uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and. Depending on what happens, maybe LeBron moves on from Cleveland, or not from Cleveland, from uh, from LA. Uh, he did tease though that he could potentially return to Cleveland for his final his final seasons. Hmm. So that isn't something to rule out. And actually, looking at LeBron, no. uh, he is he is under contract next year. For forty-four million, he'll be a free agent uh, in twenty twenty-three, and that presumably will be where he makes wherever he decides to go. Uh, that will basically be, you know, it, it'll be it'll basically be okay. Uh, you agree to draft my son and I will sign with you guys in 2023. Basically the gist of 
my understand you know my understanding of uh is the fact that he wants to he wants to play on the same team as his son before he retires so but anyways uh no as far as the playoffs go i mean looking at these matchups Lou as they stand right now okay I mean, we'll start. We'll start with the East. Who do you think will be the seven and eight seeds? Because we have of the of the four play-in t- tournament teams, you got Brooklyn against Cleveland for the seventh seed. Uh, you got Atlanta and Charlotte just to have the chance to play for the eighth seed, and then the loser or the winner of that matchup will face the loser of Brooklyn and Cleveland. So who do you think we have uh, coming out of the play-in tournament for the Eastern Conference? I said the next thing I have out of it. What was that? The the Nets. So the Nets, they would probably play, uh, assuming – these hold up. They would probably play either Milwaukee or maybe Boston in the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about uh, between Atlanta, Charlotte, and Cleveland? Who would take the eighth seed? That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Atlanta's looking for, you know, what they couldn't do last year. So I think they're, you know, looking forward to uh, getting, it, uh, getting it this year. Ooh, that would be a pretty tough first-round matchup, though, against against Miami. Damn. Yeah, I know. So, I know. yeah. So that, yeah, I that like would tough be matchups. a pretty tough. Uh, what do you think about the Western Conference side? Uh, New Orleans and – and San Antonio, they play for the right to... Yeah, San Antonio, uh, worries, San Antonio worries me. Pelicans are coming really way. strong, even though without Lonzo Ball. So I'm, I'm going to take the Pelicans. <laughs> You're going to take the Pelicans? I'm going to take the Pelicans. Uh, what about uh, the matchup between... Well, because they, they, they have to win twice. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. They have to. They have to win. They have to win in order to face the loser of uh, Minnesota and LA, uh, the Clippers. That is. I'm aware of that. Yes, Clippers. I'm not taking. Clippers are a bunch of choke artists. Why would anything change now? So you can forget that. So you think the Clippers will be out of it? Period. Oh yeah. Okay, so that that's interesting then, because then we would have Minnesota face uh, Memphis, and we would have New Orleans facing Phoenix. Now, of these of these uh, eight first round matchups, uh, of these sixteen teams, who do you think we have the best shot of seeing an NBA Finals matchup? I tell get the Phoenix, then they've already won it. So you think you think it's just Phoenix outright? Yes. 
Wow. I mean, you know, if they can pull off what they what they couldn't pull off last year, I mean, <laughs> that's exactly my point. I, I I would I would hate to see I would hate to see them match up against the Bucks again though and uh potentially get shut down again like they I did think they're last gonna, year. I don't think the Bucks are gonna repeat. I mean the Bucks did lose a couple of people, I think, from last yeah. year. I would honestly I would probably look at Phoenix as the favorite with maybe you see, this is tough because number two and number three, you got Memphis and you got Golden State, and I can't really rule out the both of those teams either, because Memphis. No, no, you can't. Because Memphis, even when they didn't have John ja Morant this year, you know everybody thought that John ja Morant is the is the guy that has been holding together that Memphis team, but yet. Memphis has still dominated even without John Morant in the lineup. So, and plus Golden State, it's the same thing. You know, you can you can have Steph Curry out, or you could have Clay Thompson out, and they could still dominate. So, well, I mean, we they've been through that before. I mean, because when Thompson went out, that was the end of the. Of, of the Warriors there. If that happens again, yeah. I think they're going to, you know, have a tough tough time carrying it to the playoffs. So, no, keep them a close That's eye true. on that. That's true. I mean, I can – I don't want to see like it's going to be deja vu all over again, but, you know, if Thompson goes do down. Th- I do think that Phoenix is probably the front runner for the Western Conference side. Uh yes. I would not rule out John Morant in Memphis, though. I'm I'm telling you, you know, it's the it it almost seems like it's a magical run that they've been on this year, where you know nobody expected John Morant, nobody expected John Morant to make the major the major jump this year that he made no. in terms of production, and. Although then again, maybe his maybe his injury that he just came off of might have some lingering effects down the line. But I don't know. I think it's probably going to be either Memphis or Phoenix. I'm probably going to go with Phoenix representing the West. But I wouldn't be shocked if Memphis is in that equation. Uh, the East, I wouldn't be shocked either. But you know, Phoenix is just looking to re- you know rebound from last year's. You know, last year's loss. I think it's gonna, you know, yeah, right, right this the year. East, the eastern side, I'm worried about the Nets, and it's mainly because uh-huh. of Kyrie. It's mainly because of Kyrie. And Kyrie. Durant. Yeah. Mm. You know, even though they're a seventh seed, that's mainly because you know. Literally half of the half of the games this year they didn't have Kyrie because of the right because of the vaccine uh, the vaccine issues. But in the games that yeah. they did have Kyrie, you know that's a completely different Nets team that you're facing. That's why I'm so worried about Boston getting the number two seed and potentially matching up with with Brooklyn in the first round because. If Boston doesn't have uh, Robert Williams in the first round, 
who has been a major part of Boston's resurgence this year after Boston yes. started out like after Boston started out like 10 and 20 or something uh right. you know Robert Williams has been a major factor in uh the ball movement and everything for Boston and against against Brooklyn where he was a huge matchup in that uh you know for Brooklyn or, or against Brooklyn I I would rather the Celtics face off against Brooklyn down the line than I would rather have them face off against Brooklyn in the first round. Uh, Milwaukee, I mean, Milwaukee could potentially get upset by Brooklyn. You know, Milwaukee has their three-point shooters, but Brooklyn can very easily take over it, can very easily take over a game single-handedly with either Kyrie or, or Durant. So I am, you know, I would lo- I would rather, let me put it this way. I would rather the Celtics face off against Milwaukee in the playoffs than Brooklyn. Mm. Now, yeah, as, far as, as far as who I see in the East, if Boston can make it to the second round and Robert Williams comes back and he looks like the Robert Williams before the injury, I could see Boston potentially making a run for it. Mm. Uh, Philly, I mean, that that dynamic duo of, of Embiid and uh, Harden has been practically unstoppable. However... If they face off in the first round against against Toronto, Toronto has been their Achilles heel the second half of the season. So, I mean, Miami uh, Miami looks destined right now. So, I I would probably take. I, I think we will probably see a matchup of the number one seeds in the uh, NBA Finals with Miami and, uh, and Phoenix. That. I. I find it hard with Miami's roster to not see them in at least the Eastern Conference Finals. I would be very stunned if they get if they have another early uh, exit this year. Yeah. But if if the uh, if the matchups stand the way they the way they do right now, I think Boston gets by uh, Chicago. I think Milwaukee potentially gets by uh, Brooklyn. I mean, because with a matchup of three-point shooting, it's, you know, I thought that, you know, Boston had been able to keep up with Milwaukee for most of the time until Milwaukee eventually finally took over completely. Uh, Despite Boston, despite Boston not having uh, Tatum or Horford in uh, their last game against Milwaukee. Uh, plus, Boston, I mean, Boston almost beat Toronto with all of Boston starters sitting, minus yes. Marcus Smart. So, Toronto as a matchup doesn't scare me. What scares me is 
Boston going to Toronto and like Jason Tatum not being vaccinated. So therefore he wouldn't be able to play. Right. The matchup itself though does not scare me because if Boston with their bench players almost beat Toronto and the way that Toronto is looking right now health wise, it looks like it's going to be the same exact matchup. Uh, the same exact players uh, that Toronto is going to have in a potential first round matchup. I'm not really too worried in a Toronto matchup. Uh, But as far, you know, as far as an NBA finals matchup, I think we're looking at Phoenix and Miami. I would be stunned if we see otherwise. Just because of the fact that these two teams have been so far ahead of everybody else. I mean, Miami, you know, Miami, they've let other teams creep back into the running before they officially uh, locked the uh, number one seed back in. But Phoenix, there's been nobody that's even been close to Phoenix at all this season. I mean, they've basically – this is basically equivalent of the year that Golden State went, what, 72-10? and What was was the record that uh, Golden State almost uh, – 73-9. and and 73-9, okay. So, you know, this run by by, uh, Phoenix is almost similar – to that of Golden State. Yes. From that year. So, I mean, they've just been miles ahead of everybody. And Miami, I mean, they just have way too much firepower that I would, I think that it would take a lucky break for, you know, for, for an Eastern Conference team to upset them in the, uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I think I think we're likely we're likely looking at Phoenix and uh, and Miami. I know yeah. you have Phoenix for the Western Conference. Uh, who do you think for the East? Hmm. Tough one, but I'm thinking I'm thinking the Sixers. You know, since Harden came over there, they've they've helped them step up. Oof. Yeah, you know the the thing with the Sixers is they got to get they got to get by Toronto, though. And yeah. Toronto, I mean, granted, Toronto is the number five seed, but Toronto has been, despite their roster, uh, with all, with mm-hmm. them being as banged up as they've been, they've really. Taken it to to uh, to Philly in their last couple of matchups, mm. and this is, mind you, this is with uh, with both uh, Harden and Embiid playing. Now, if they can get by, if they can get by Toronto, I do think it is a, there is a distinct possibility that we could see. Uh, Philly potentially. Yeah, I would say, 
I would say they might be the one team that could potentially upset Miami in a uh, Eastern Conference final. I don't think I don't think it could be uh, Milwaukee because. You know, Miami just had – for all of the three-point shooting that that uh, Milwaukee has, Miami has somebody to match up with every one of those shooters. Boston, I mean, Boston has been one of the top teams defensively since uh, – They've been one of the top teams both offensively and defensively since January. But the problem that worries me is the health of Robert Williams. And there's been times as well where where some of our shooters could go on massive cold streaks. Like Jason Tatum, there's been some times where he's been absolutely on fire from three-point range. And then there's been there's been streaks of uh, of games where he's been absolutely cold. So you know, I don't know. Uh, I could see Philly though. I really, I really do. I really could see Philly if they can get by Toronto in that first round. Although who knows, depending on how tomorrow's yeah. games go, uh, depending on how tomorrow's games go, we could see Philly and potentially the number two or number three seed. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, but we have about five minutes left. Uh, going over to March Madness, what did you think of Kansas? Be uh, beaten down North Carolina when it looked like North Carolina. Uh, was, yeah, it, it seemed it seemed it seemed like North Carolina had all of their pieces in place. Yes, and like then they after that, were... the, and then the second half went went wrong. I mean, it's, it's like the offense just fell asleep. I don't know what kind of penalty I mean, Kansas was given at the half, but whatever it was, it worked. Yeah, I mean this team. This North Carolina team ended the career of Coach K. Yeah. And you know, they ended running the on a high and whatnot, but then I guess, you know, they got so emotionally charged up over it, they forgot they still had a game to play, and it cost them in the end. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, like that, I said on my show, you have a box, it's like a boxer going in, he thinks he has the advantage uh, in the later rounds, and then all of a sudden you lose the momentum, you lose the steam, and you wind up losing the fight. I mean, th- you know, this yeah, uh, this North Carolina team they also uh, they also ended the uh, magical run of St. Peter's. Well, I kind of knew that that was going to happen, though. Well, yeah, but still, you know, you never you never know with with a team that that goes on a run like that. Uh, you know, you never know real – I mean, St. Peter's, this is the furthest that a team uh, a, a team with such a low ranking like St. Peter's had ever gone in March right. Madness. But now, I mean, looking at, looking at Kansas, you know, first off, I, I, I just got to say, the Villanova matchup was – 
I mean, they – it was basically – they were basically handed Villanova's heads on a silver platter ever since Villanova beat uh, – ever since Villanova beat Michigan, then beat Houston. And they had such poor uh, three-point shooting that, you know, everybody was looking at a Kansas matchup and thinking Kansas is just going to fucking eat them alive. You know, it's not even going to be close. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, I guess North Carolina, they just got outgunned because, at one point, it looked like it looked like North Carolina had them on the ropes, and they just got outgunned yeah. all of a sudden. So, but the final score seventy two sixty nine for Kansas, and uh, way to go! Yeah the uh, the whispers the whispers champion was uh, Ben Stevenson uh, with. Somehow I came in second. I don't know how by points. Um, but Chris, uh, Chris, who was on our show last time, had uh, had North Carolina. So if North Carolina won, then he would have won. And you know, obviously Ben Stevenson won uh, with Kansas. But anyways, uh, Lou, that's the end of our show for tonight. Uh, thank hey, you, you for it. joining me as always. Uh, we will be back next week, obviously, of course, for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, for Survivor fans, join us this Thursday night as we will have uh, we will cover the two-hour episode that is set to air on Wednesday. So this Thursday night, we will be back for Survivor, uh, the Survivor 42 recap show. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast on either Blog Talk Radio dot com slash Missy AE on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend and we will see you guys next yep, next Saturday night.